Open Nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest. Now in season three, the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals, couples, and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure, spirituality, and sexuality. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Steve and Carrie Cardinal. This is going to be a wonderful and deep listen for you because this conversation with Carrie Cardinal, who is the Senior Vice President of Digital Strategy at Modern Elder Academy, and Stephen Cardinal, who is a tech entrepreneur, thought leader, and author of Synaptic Alchemy. And together they wrote a book called Becoming Beloveds, A Practical Guide to Building Stronger Relationships. Let's hear it from Stephen and Carrie. So welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Carrie and Steve. I spent a long time in pursuit of you. How are you today? <laughs> Good. Thank you so much for having us. We are happy to have you here. So Amir and I met Carrie years ago because she's a brilliant businesswoman and, and also just this vibrant personality. And then I watched her through Modern Elder Academy become like a really important peep there. And she and then knew she had gotten remarried by following her on Facebook and have been pursuing them getting on this interview. So I'm so really honored that you're here. <laughs> well, we're so happy to be here. So it's it's an awesome, you know, exciting thing we can do. Fantastic. So tell us where where are you where are you located? We're based in Los Angeles. Um, Lucky you. Basically, five minutes from Universal Studios. I was born and bred here. There's. Now, Los Angeles has a very interesting transient community, so there's not a lot of us born and bred. And Carrie came here about how long ago? A year and a half ago or so. Uh, moved here from uh, Colorado. Cool. One, wonderful. And uh, so you have been together how long? We've a been thousand to, years. <laughs> a thousand years. <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> we just got fantastic years. Fantastic. We were just married this past year, uh, and actually Chip Conley officiated our wedding. It was amazing. Congratulations! Beautiful. So, so give us a little bit of of a synopsis, also of you know how you see yourselves at this stage of being empty nesters, which we, which we call, as you know. In Act Three, we are open nesters to all of the cool things that now life presents for us, including the, the challenge with relationships and, and children and grandchildren. We talked about, or you texted me you, that you guys want to talk about a little bit. So I love that you're, you know, ready to get into this discussion. So just tell wherever you want to start about this adventure that and lessons you're taking from uh, this stage well, of life. Can we go back for one second and ask of them course. how long you've been open nesters? Well, they'll probably, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, you go first. All right. When so, did your birds leave the nest? Let's see. My birds left the nest. Oh, wow. This is a complicated one. So I think seven years ago, as I recall, let's see. Um, well, yeah, about seven years ago, six, seven years ago, they went to college. Ago, uh, and then you don't have any home. kids at home. Say again? No kids at home seven years ago. That is correct. All right. And, and, and was there a, a big transition from... One step, all of a sudden, there's kids in the home, and then there's none. Was it a big shift in your thinking and your activities and your experiences and your, uh, you know, now you can have sex here, you can have sex here. I mean, how 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 is that uh, how is that impacted? That's what I'm trying to figure out. That, so, that transition, that moment of transition. You want me to talk about it? Or you want to talk about your? I mean, sorry. so we each have different moments of becoming empty nesters to some degree. That Stephen became an empty nester at a different stage of his life. I didn't know Stephen then, and and I have four kids. Two of mine were already out of the house when we met, and I have twins who are now in their second year of college. So, um, so we had some time while we were dating that I was still with my kids, and then as I moved here in with Stephen, my two kids went off to college. So actually, I started our married, living together kind of life at the same time that I was launching an empty nester. And Stephen had some experience. He was ahead of me in that side. Okay. Yeah. So for for me, so I think I heard someone uh, once say that when your kids are born, there's a big rope between you and the kids. And every time they do something individual, one of those strands of that rope breaks until they're finally adults and they leave. And there's one golden thread that attaches to you. Nice. And I love it. My, 
my daughter was probably two years old, maybe less than that, a year and a half. I used to take her on this little choo-choo train in the mall. And uh, <laughs> one time, you know, and you sit right next to the baby when they're on it. It's, it's like a little 30-foot loop. I mean, it's tiny. She looks at me and she goes, no, daddy, me. And I was like, oh, my God, it's already starting. So it actually has started for all those years. Um, yes. And I had a sovereignty begins in the moment we're allowing it. Right. That's correct. Yeah. The moment <laughs> that you allow it. Right. Um, which is the moment that they're born, really. Uh, the um, So I did not experience a huge, like falling off a cliff uh, because I, I, I spoke with my kids probably at least three or four times, maybe five times a week. And because of the technology, Facebook and Twitter and I mean, you name it and WhatsApp um, and FaceTime, I had more connection with them. You know, when they're teenagers, they really don't want to talk to you. But right. when they go away, they want to they want to talk to you and tell you the good things. And they want to tell you that they're out of money and that they don't feel good. <laughs> so I did not experience a falling off a cliff. But I think that was by design when I mean, that was de- designed from the time they were little, knowing that they're they're going to leave. So you give them, you know, this full piece. So I did not experience what I think a lot of people do, which is a transition between super caretaking and then no one at home. I see. Okay, so so there's so there's no a, a shift. It's kind of like blend itself from the moment they left to college. I mean, the daughter, I assume, were left to college. Yeah. Uh huh. And then there was no shift. But did their relationship change for you and Carrie? Did, was anything different in that time? Because well, I mean, for me, of course, Mori, when he was open, Esther. Yeah, he was already an open nester. So for me, you know, what was different came when, to when, the openness. when my kids left the house was I kept wanting to go to the grocery store all the time. Because, <laughs> you know, with kids, you're constantly going to store, at least I was, because somebody already needed something. And it just became like a state change. I would go to the grocery store, like some different grocery store, Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or, you know, to get something. Right. And, you know, then there was just two of us. And I kept saying, well, I got to go to the grocery store. <laughs> he said, what for? Okay, what do we need? <laughs> so, like seeing the refrigerator not fully packed was like anxiety provoking for me. Like, I kept putting food I in the fridge that, that we I couldn't. That honesty, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then, and it's teenage food, right? So you know when they're coming home, suddenly there's mac and cheese, oh man, and, and pasta, uh, fish, and, and stuff that we don't normally have in the house. <laughs> yeah, it's all those little things that we're talking about today. And also, I know because both of you are deep in what you work in Modern Elder Academy, you have a lot of depth of thought about transitions and adventure and how you're living your lives. So I'd love you to talk about that. And you have this. Tigger and Eeyore thing that you haven't told me how that works. Let's go there. (laughs) You have to tell the Eeyore story. So, you know, it's interesting. I am, I am actually a bit more of an introvert than I often realized as I got older. I think I was more of an introvert. And as COVID kind of came in, you know, and I went through menopause and an autoimmune disorder, like I'm tired usually (laughs) by like eight o'clock. I'm just done. I've never been much of an evening person and I'm a little bit risk averse. For sure. So that's just my personality. And Stephen is a bit more extroverted. He's more of a night owl. I'm a vampire. Let's just he be loves to be <laughs> out. And he's very adventurous and he's much more, let's just say yes to things. And so, you know, like he'd say, Hey, let's go, you know, to the grocery store. Let's go at like eight o'clock at night and pick up something. I'm like, are you crazy? <laughs> open? Like who Almost goes to the store yeah. at eight o'clock at night? It's like, it's great. No one's there. It's like, so we do I would it. often respond. <laughs> I was like, no way. It was preposterous. So I would often respond to things with no. <laughs> and we realized that some of that was maybe I did need to conserve my energy, but also it was just sort of being risk averse for no reason. Like, we actually have fun. We go out and make a date and go out to the grocery store, go out and look at some lights, or we go do something fun. And it was a fun outing. It didn't really have to cost a lot of money or plan. And so we started person- personifying this um, when I watched a documentary film from a wonderful documentarian um, who created a film called Chasing the Sublime with two women who met in midlife, one was in her 70s and one was in her 30s. And they both decided to explore swimming outdoors in open waters. They were in Scotland. 
and they became uh, outdoor swimming society enthusiasts. And they shared in their film that they didn't really like getting in the cold water. They didn't like getting in, but the adventure they loved. And they called it their Eeyore moment before they would get in the cold water. They had an Eeyore moment. And I went, aha, that's me. <laughs> I am totally Eeyore. I completely identify with Eeyore. That is me. And Steven is Tigger. And so it's our little running joke when oh, that's you know, awesome. I catch myself being more risk averse, like, let's go rock climbing. Let's go try something. And, you know. I, I just, I just love that. You know, we talk a lot about relationships on this podcast. It's it's why we were rated the top 10% of relationship podcasts. And so the idea that you're talking about is that it's really all about the communication. And if you could lighten that and make it more fun, I mean, fun is the key. We're just not having enough fun, especially as we get older. So that's what we wanted to ask you guys, what your fun is a little bit more as a next question, if you want to. Yeah, and I think... Um, being able to connect to your partner uh, because this is, you know, second relationships for us. Um, you don't bring all that baggage and judgment that you have with that first one. You know, I think we're much more lighthearted. I certainly am. Um, and a lot less judgmental and there's not. So if she's got an Eeyore moment, instead of being angry or pissed off, you can either be, you know, angry and pissed off or you can enjoy your partner, enjoy your partner. It's a very yeah. short life, <laughs> right? And I used to, I, I felt this for many years. I felt the, uh, I don't have a lot of time left, even when I was 16, because I was like, <laughs> even if I have a hundred years left, that's not a lot of time. So why waste it being angry with your partner? Or Absolutely. You know, it, it doesn't mean that I will acquiesce. I will poke at her and push her to do some Eeyore, <laughs> to kind of step out of the Eeyore bounds. And she'll constrain Tigger a little bit and go, do we really want to do that? <laughs> um but instead of being judgmental about it, uh, put those bags down. Say again? She'll be open. Yeah. She'll be open or I'll be open. In other words, instead of trying to push it because that's my agenda, it's more like I want to do this with you because you're my beloved and that's important. And so, for example, I'll give you an example with the rock climbing. Rock climbing can be a little anxiety provoking. And instead of being frustrated that the first answer was, no, I don't want to do it. I said, I promise it won't be scary. And if it is, we'll just stop. So the lightheartedness, I think, lets ER come out of her cave a little bit faster and try things because it's not judgmental. And I think that's where we trip a lot is in, I'm going to judge my partner. And you're being playful by making this playful. I just, that's what yes. I just had to know it again, because that's what's so sweet about it. <laughs> And you, totally. and, you know, Stephen also has this catchphrase that I love, and he calls it casting a spell. Mm which is sort of how can you take everyday moments and cast a spell around them? And that's been something that's been really fun for us, like using things that are nearby to make moments more fun, like have the playlist going when we make dinner and, you know, light the candles, because why not? They're sitting there anyway. And, you know, just to kind of take little day-to-day -day moments and make them more playful and make them more fun and make them more Lightful memorable. And sensual and romantic and intentional and exciting even sometimes. You know, it's like, what is it that we do? Why don't we take more of that? And especially as, as elders that are wise and know better, right? I think it's hard. So I, I was born and bred in Los Angeles, right? So I've been around the entertainment industry my whole life. And the entertainment industry, they cast a spell all the time. You go to Disneyland and they cast a spell. You go to the market and they cast a spell because that's just what we're used to. And that's just something that's been ingrained in me. And it, I bring to Carrie of, and, I, and she, you know, completely embraces it because you could have a partner who would just put their hands up and go, no, I don't want to cast a spell. I don't want to put on the candles. I don't want to go for a drive at eight o'clock at night and check out the, you know, the Christmas lights around the area. Um, but once you cast the spell, I think people will hitch with their breath and go, that was awesome. Right. And I want to do that right now. I'm going to, I'm going to make the, go. the title of this episode. <laughs> cast the spell. I love it. Cast the spell all the time. So I don't, I mean, I don't want to keep you guys all night because you're so interesting. I know we could talk to you for a long time, but we talked a little bit about discussing kind of what are the things you want to, you want to convey at this stage of life. And each of you kind of have new way, different ways to do that. 
kind of also you talked about long range decisions and managing kids around that, if that's what you'd like to go to, as well as what you're both about to do at Modern Elder Academy. So mm. I'm going to leave it up to you to discuss that we can get to those things and remind you if I have to, but whichever come first. Yeah, sure. You know, one thing that was fun, because we both are in the realm of coaching and thought leadership, and we're avid readers, and, you know, we share this kind of passion for personal growth and development, we love talking about podcasts and thought leaders, we um, decided to incorporate some things that I teach at MEA and that Stephen has done in the past, looking at our character strengths and our values as an assessment, which is something you can do for free. And you just go, it's kind of like learning your love language. I mean, that's definitely a basic one, but we did this quick assessment to see what our character strengths are and what our values are. And it was so helpful because it just reiterated, you know, my top character strength is kindness and his is creativity. And some of our shared values were around love, family, adventure, um, love of learning, And so when we're trying to make decisions, like now as empty nesters, we both work from home. And so we can live anywhere. So we're definitely wanting to have the adventure of being a global nomad and living in another country. And, you know, we're healthy. We want to go hiking, exploring. And, you know, but there's also kids here. So it helps us Mm -hmm. as we're trying to like adjust with, well, if we were to live far away and, and, give that adventure value a lot of attention is that also how do we attend to the family value side to make sure that that's also. And so though that's helped us really think about the timing of, well, when do we want to move when my kids are a little more settled in their apartments? And what about my mom? We'll come back occasionally. So it's helped us like ease into bigger life change decisions because we can go back and go, Oh, we have these values that we want to make sure that we're attending to. So you're, so you're trying to basically balance your core values, uh, being with the family, being with your parents, uh, with planning your freedom, really. I mean, am I going to go live in Costa Rica for a year? But we have to be here at that time. We have to do this at that time. And, and how is that working out? I mean, have you been able to do that? So I want to address something I think is really important. And I think that is being open and curious with your partner and their values and curious enough to understand what her values are and her curious enough to understand what mine are. So that allows us to go, Hey, you know what? We have to blend exactly what you just said. Adventure with family. Yes. Because otherwise you could get stuck in the, well, my wife's just not adventurous or my husband just doesn't. You can always give excuse why you're not that adventurous. Yes. Right. So I think the curiosity, the openness to be curious about your partner. And in fact, the, desperate desire to understand your beloved, your partner, is a unique way of balancing all the character strengths that and the values that both of you have. Do you think it's also an essential trait that one, one couple has to have in good relationship and planning long term? Yeah, because I think the opposite of being curious is being stuck in your ways. And I don't know how many couples you guys have seen who are stuck in their ways that are super happy, but I haven't found a lot. <laughs> well. We, we, we talk to many couples and the, the, I mean, it's, it's just an incredible journey for us. I mean, for Tessa and I, we have our core values that we really don't compromise about. They, they are set in stone. I mean, we have a Friday night ritual that is dear to us and there is uh, family values and there is parents values and other family values. I mean, we argue about other things, but they're all little. You know, little little small stuff that uh, really we should not really sweat on a daily basis. But our core values are intact, not be- only because we are curious with each other, but also because we have learned over the years to um, to know and and re- recognize those values in each other and find out that we really have a lot of commonality. And we see that in you too. Obviously, you know, you met. Later in life, you're not married as 30 some odd years like we are, but you are happen to have your values are all in sync and lined up. Is this way you can most likely plan properly uh, for long term and life changing uh, decisions? Right. And like you said, I mean, being curious about your values and then respecting the other person's values, I think, is really important. I would say that our values aren't a hundred percent. I mean, we have core values together and then values are like so many things. So when you talk about 
uh, I mean, these, this is also belief systems that you like to discuss, right? This whole, and what was it? Yeah, the character, character traits. So I do wonder if you think character traits change. That's what came up for me. Like values also can change a little bit. Do character traits change? Well, people not, I don't. Not, neither one of us are expert in the topic, but I think that there's something sort of fundamental about them that stick with you. So all the different type systems, whether you're, you know, your astrology type or your Enneagram type or your Myers-Briggs type, or, you know, I think there's sort of a, a certain kind of fundamental element of who we are, but it, it can expand and change. And I think this stage of being an empty nester is so fun and exciting because you get to play with roles or explore value systems or character traits you may not have had the same opportunity to indulge, whether it's starting a business or moving to another country or well, that's you know, why we call it open. Know. So we're open nesters. Yeah, exactly. So I, so yeah, we're, we're I love, love that. Nesters, but we're calling it open. We hope you will adapt that. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you explain that openness changes that that empty space. So I so I look because I love the way you put things in words. And so so what's next for you guys with the um, well, oh, I just oh. want to say something about the open. You see the open is also encompasses the core values of family because your door is always open for your kids to come back. There's some people that says, oh, you don't know, it's the boomerang effect. They're going to come back and they're going to demand from you and then they're not going to have a job and they want to stay with you and they're not going to pay rent and you're going to be losing your freedom and, and, and your passion for your partner. We don't see it that way. We see that having an open nest that is the door is open to your kids to come in and come and find refuge sometimes because they need it sometimes they need to whatever it is uh, it is part of the core value and being open nester it's also open all the possibilities that being free of the strings that attach you to your kids and you know once once the education is in place and once uh, you don't have to take care of them on a daily basis and feed them with a spoon you know, now the attention comes to you and him uh, and, and, and you and her. So we see open as a very, very important thing. And we see it as, as a trend. As a trend mm. People need to adopt. And that's why we have the Open Nestor podcast. Mm, that's beautiful. I love it. I love the synchronicity and the, the symbiotic nature of what open means for a family Correct. and for a couple and for an individual. Yeah, and, and a lot of lot of couples that we speak with, and, and it's, it's been what, uh, I mean, we are on our episode, what, 110, 120, something like that. We speak to couples that are, some of them are together and living apart. Some of them uh, realize that they have nothing in common in the open nesting stage, and they're separated. Some of them realize that all of a sudden there's so much more to explore, so they took an RV and started roaming around the country. There's some, they love each other, but yeah. one is not attracted to the other anymore. And that, that, that how to live with that, with love and compassion. Correct. I mean, there's so many ways we grow in our relationships when we're just authentic with and, being the best, in the best place we can be. Right. So I wanted to ask you guys a little more about yourselves in that area of like, what, how have you become to the place where now you're teaching at Modern Elder Academy? So what is that? Where had that come out about? And what do you love to teach? Hmm. She's much more integrated into the Modern Elder Academy. I'm uh, what we have something called the Fantastic Husbands Brigade. So I'm on the outside. For the benefit of the audience, would you tell what the Modern Elder Academy is? Yes, I'm happy to. So the the Modern Elder Academy is a the world's first midlife wisdom school, and the. There is a Baja campus for week-long destination retreats experiences. And next year, there'll be another campus in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I help run the digital department for Modern Elder Academy, which we call MEA. And so we run long immersion style from home workshops. One is dedicated to the topic of transitions and one's dedicated to the topic of purpose. And we build community. We have conversations. It's introspective. It's really fun. I love teaching. I've been working with almost 3,000 alumni now with MEA. And I'll be teaching at the Baja campus a topic called the magic of midlife. 
uh, coming up in April. And that'll be really fun. I've been working with our faculty and our co-founders virtually for so long that it'll be really fun to work in person. And Stephen is an accomplished entrepreneur and was um, invited to come and speak with co-founder Jeff Hemui in June on the topic of entrepreneurship at any age. So the open nesting of entrepreneurship. Wonderful. And, and demographically, who is the typical uh, a member of the MEA and that is uh, coming to hear you and, and learn? What's what's the open nesters? The average age is about 54. So we so all open nesters midlife can kind of hit at 35 all the way to the 70s and 80s. So anywhere in between, wonderful. So it looks like a a playground for us. Well, absolutely. I've been telling you, we should go. You should go go down to her event in April. It'll be awesome. You should podcast from them. (laughs) So Stephen can chat a little bit. He wrote a book called Synaptic Alchemy The Art and Science of Turning Ideas into Gold. So we can't not let that opportunity go by because he'll be teaching some of that in Baja. Right. So tell us uh, about it. Yeah. So the, um, uh, I was graciously asked to come and teach the, essentially the entrepreneurship week or an entrepreneurship week with uh, one of the co-founders, Jeff Amui. That's how you say his last name, right? Um, and uh, so we're going to be teaching together. And when I, uh, I, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. And so uh, when I, sold my last company, I took all of the things that I learned on the ground and put it into this new book, which is how do you turn lead into gold? And it's the lead, which are the ideas in your head, into the gold of your life. And that's essentially what we're going to teach. So it's not a hardcore boot camp on business. It's a, how do I take the next stage in my life and transition using the principles of alchemy, which is just a fun way of looking at transitions from a business standpoint. It'll be a blast. You guys should come to that one too. Wow. I am really interested in that because I've been an entrepreneur all my life myself. So I am, I'm really relating to that. And I had some great ideas. I mean, the open nesters is an idea that we both uh, yeah, give the, a child. The thin threads that, that Kelly worked on years ago was our, we, he's had a zillion businesses that you get <laughs> the funniest entrepreneurship stories. If you guys want to talk yeah, offline, we, we, they're yeah. wild and fun but, and interesting. But, but you know, there's a methodology that one can take an idea, a lead and turn it into gold. Yeah. I mean, uh, is it uh, a, a formula that you can apply like a kind of a formula a, you can apply every like, single good like idea. Recipe? Yep. Every single good idea. And there's two parts to it. One is a, a part about you, the entrepreneur, and the other part is kind of the recipe about how you build your business. Or actually, it's about how you do anything. So business just happens to be the clearest way to describe it. But the alchemical process is really the transformation of something common to something spectacular. And you could apply it to relationships. You could say the common relationship and how do I want to turn that into a beloved? So we call each other beloveds from a poem. And I'll let Carrie talk about that poem because that's the gold. It's not just getting married. It's becoming beloveds. That's the gold that got transformed when we got together. Wow. Beautiful. I love this. I am sure there's going to be a lot of people on our uh, on our listeners, which is thousands by now, that are be interested to know how you really do that. Do okay. they have to come to the Mother Ender Academy to hear that? Yeah, get it. Come just on, come on down. <laughs> just read your book. <laughs> you can get the book on Amazon. You could come on down. Uh, you can watch Gary's courses on um, the Modern Elder digital platform. But I think it's interesting that the topic of becoming a beloved is something yeah. that I think is important to any open nester who's deciding to you know, grow as a person. So I'm not Carrie kind of talk about that real yeah, quick. Yeah, talk about the beloved. We we wrote a book about this idea of if you have a relationship and you think about Maslow's pyramid of needs, a hierarchy of needs, how do you apply that to a relationship like physical safety and you know self-esteem and love and belonging? And how do you how do you ladder those elements up more consciously in a relationship? And it gave us such a great framework to talk about the things that we were working through from previous relationships or the aspirations that we had or to kind of put a framework on the things we were experiencing. And there's a beautiful poem uh, from the Old Testament, the Song of Solomon. And it was a poem written from a king to his queen. And it was referencing this kind of concept of 
referring to your partner as a beloved. And we loved that. And it felt like that's kind of what the aspiration of relationships could be. If you could become a student of higher love, whether you're married 30 years or you're in a new relationship that you let love itself kind of inform you and how it will teach you and how, what happens if you refer to your partner as a beloved instead of baby face. My husband. We just love that it it just elicited like a higher vibration right off the bat. It, it gave something to aspire to and had nothing to do really with what stage of relationship you're in. It's something you could adapt at any time. And the title of the book is called Becoming Beloveds. So it is the only book that I think I've ever seen that applies Maslow's hierarchy of needs to relationships. And it allowed us to tease out pieces. And the alchemy is going from wife or, you know, boyfriend, dating, wife, fiance, any of the roles to you're a beloved. And a beloved has, to me, has a very reverent feel to the word. Um, And so when you use it, it changes the tenor of your relationship just by the fact that you've decided to use it. But Maslow has also put together a claim that the highest level of hierarchy is self-actualization. One really need to self. How do you see that parallel to become beloved? Can you explain? So here's a, you want to talk about transcendence? No, you talk about transcendence. Super interesting that Maslow as a modern elder, as he got later into his life, um, near the last stage of his life, he actually realized his work wasn't finished. And that the top of the, of the hierarchy is not self-actualization, but it is transcendence. Oh, and so he actually, uh, there is a wonderful book um, by Barry Kaufman called Transcendence. And there have been other pieces written about this. It was written more on in his papers and from his bed, hospital beds, he was completing his life's work that to get to self-actualization is one thing. But then the next level of transcendence is to face outward. And it's to give your gifts away to be in relationship with the the larger whole and so we love that too because that felt very much about what relationship is i did not realize that transcendence is the next level of muscle this is really interesting i need to really understand that a little bit more because i can see that where your your ability to become generous with your wisdom and your and your worth and your wealth and your gifts and your gifts and give it away would be the highest level. I can see that. I can feel it. I can identify with it. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a, I, I get it. I and that's the get it. aspirational piece of becoming beloveds, which is the astral, aspirational piece of synaptic alchemy, which is to move from the lowest common denominator, which is judgment, right? Yes. You know, up to the highest common denominator where you're giving your gifts to your partner and your partner's giving her, their gifts back to you. And your open nesting actually explodes because exactly. it's not. Yes. <laughs> Did you like that? Yeah. <laughs> you should listen to this podcast called Open Nesting. <laughs> no, this this is real, real uh, pearls of, of wisdom, yeah. really pearls of wisdom. What you have given us now and to the audience, of course, is, is really valuable. Very valuable and very I, relevant. Do it again already. I'm like, oh my goodness, there were some things no, there. We, that we need to read the book. Here a few times, so definitely want to get the book. So thank Both you. Both books. Really. I mean, what else? Both books. I, 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 you know, you are obviously you two are in sync with what you have. You have, uh, you have a common business together because you write books and i mean whether it's for money or you just want to be in that level of transcendence where you can exactly. give that away uh, so money really doesn't really matter for that for mm-hmm. that uh and it's very rare to see that kind of harmony and synchronicity synchronicity <laughs> so, yeah uh in within within a couple so mm-hmm. I, I salute you for your ability to do that and recognize each other uh, values to each other. And, I, and there's something that I say that I think will cap that off. I typically say you can have any life you want. You just have to decide. It's the decide part that's hard. So if you want to be an open nester and you want to decide that we're going to love each other more than uh, we opened up before in the past, you'd make a decision and then 
all your actions have to follow that if you're authentic with it. And I think that's a big piece of it. Make a decision, decide what your open nesting is going to be about, and then act. Right. And cast a spell. And cast a spell. You like to cast a spell. You know, we have a lot of uh, couples that are listening to this right now and are wondering how can they implement some of your wisdom into their life? What would you suggest to some of our couples that listening to this right now and want to make a shift in their life that are on a crossroad perhaps that their kids are just left the house or have been a while but the couple cannot really find harmony what would you suggest to those couples at this stage i think to kind of recap some of the things that we talked about you know like think about where are you a tigger and where are you an eeyore in your life and as a couple you know where have you gotten stuck as a couple where could you interject some of that Tigger energy. How can you take a, a an afternoon, turn Sundays into Sunday fun days and go do fun things together? It doesn't have to be a big bucket list vacation. Um, I think is is really important. And taking time to, I think as we get to the stage of our life, we know life is short. And that, you know, what are we waiting for? And why not lean into being the best version of yourself and why not lean into prioritizing a relationship that's important to you and attending to it as actively as you can. And from my side, I think I'm just going to reiterate being curious about yourself and curious about your partner. So if you don't know what the five love languages are, go get the book and read it and then figure out what your partner's love language is. It's a simple thing to do, right? Uh, go online and do a strengths finder or a character test. They're free. Have your partner do one. Talk about it. Start getting curious. As soon as you've decided that curiosity is not part of your life, I think you've decided to start putting one foot in the grave. And if you're going to do that intentionally as a, individually or intentionally as a couple. So simple things. How do I get to know my partner better? How do I get to know myself better? Start being curious. There's a thousand things that are out there. Would you also recommend be, uh, couples to be engaged and connect with the Modern Adler Academy? I mean, for sure. Yeah, we have plenty of couples who come through, and some couples, you know, choose to have one go at a time. Whether it's just what is that reset looking like? You know, does one partner really need that reset, and the other one can hold the space, or do you want to go reset together? We have sabbatical sessions down there as well. We can go and have just more reflective time with some programming and reflection. And there is something special about intentional travel that, right. you know, intentional getaways. for a purpose. Yeah. If we're going for yes. a purpose. Going, you're going side by side with one another, looking at that adventure and together what you're learning in the, in your pathway. So when we travel, it does, it does completely reconnect us in such a new way. As well, I mean, as well as many fun experiences that we broaden our curiosity and stay open as we, you know, talk about it in so many ways. And you guys have expanded the heck out of that. Yep. And even the language, which I am such a language geek and relationship geek. And I do feel like even the language of you just saying, use beloved right away. It's like, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, you're going to transform something if you just do that too. Mm -hmm. So You've given us such. I can't wait to see who's going to do it first, Tessa and Amir. Who's gonna Who's gonna throw the B word out first? Listen, uh, we right get we get off. We'll be doing it because we're very we're very we, open we, to this stuff. We're not open to this. We're not only open, but we are very good in adapting, adapting methodology. We are. Uh, we are just like you. We are curious and we continue to be curious. And the more we learn, the more we realize that we need to learn more. And mm -hmm. we, and that's provide and open our appetite for more knowledge and for more wisdom. And the transcendence is, is exactly, I'm so relating to that. I'm choking up thinking about it because I'm, I'm, um, well, anyway, that's a that's a different, that's a private uh, conversation. <laughs> but uh, beautiful that you know we're we're able to access these more soulful places as yes. we get older, and we have the capacity, right? Like Maslow couldn't even come up with this until later in his life. As we lean into the capacity of what's possible as we mature and become wiser together. How beautiful that you can have these moments to share with I, each you, other. You you definitely broke the par broke the paradigm of what I thought that, you know, self-actualization is the 
top of the hierarchy. And you said, no, he hasn't completed his work. And you, you say the book is Transcendence? That's his book? Yeah, Scott Barry Kaufman uh, recently wrote a book. It's somewhere on my bookshelf. I think it's called Transcend or Transcendence. Scott Barry Kaufman, amazing. Uh, Chip is also a big fan of, of Maslow, but he didn't personally publish all of this work, which I find even better. It's But it's there and it's been accessed by scholars who were able to package that together for us to continue growing our own understanding of what our hierarchy of needs are. Wow. And, and it's not physical needs. That's the beautiful part about it. It's not like I need to be pampered. I need to have a, a bubble bath. I need to have a bigger home or a nicer car or, <clears throat> or a cushy chair. It is more of a, a mental state. And it's uh, understanding that that is the, the key that your needs are really need to be met in that level rather than the physical level. I wanted to circle back on the word beloved because yep. it did seem to hit you guys. And you do, both of you seem that you'll be able to um, kind of settle into that very quickly. But the fact that just the fact that you have to decide, again, we're back to decisions, to decide, I'm going to say this to my partner. And maybe some people will go, I don't want to say that right now. I can't do yeah. that, right? Or I can't do that right now. Yeah. I, or I can't get there right now. But the fa- but it opens up a space for you to explore and be curious about. Wow, how come I can't get there? Or like you two are like, oh, we're going to use it all the time right now. Immediately as we get off this <laughs> off the microphones, we're going to say it all the time. You can immediately jump to it. But then you have to start to think about well, what does it mean to be someone's yeah. beloved, and what does it mean to be loved by someone? Which is kind of you know you split that word apart and be able to accept that. So I think the word it has a very interesting connotation and decision point and depth to it that is not just linguistic, but is spiritual. Are there, yeah. Absolutely. Are there, there are no other words I could think of that have the beloved, like the, yes. it has, a, has the uh, prefix and the What's the I can send you. I wrote an like, article about this in right, media. That is so. It, yes, send us and that. And it's, it's like a puzzle, really. That the yeah. word is a puzzle. That if you break it of of be loved, means you know be loved. Allow yourself to be loved. Yes. And and beloved, be love is also a, an aspirational to give. So we and we don't call each other beloved all day long. I mean, it's you know, it's a. Yeah. But it's a it's so a you concept. Keep it it's a you're not going to say okay, beloved. I'll, 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 <laughs> exactly. it's diminishing its value. It's diminishing its that's value right. and its holiness, so to speak. Yes. Uh, yes. In a certain way, but also, if if nothing else, it's as you said, uh, Stephen. It will open a discussion of what is it, what is it that they are doing, or what is it that I need to feel to use the word beloved, beloved. Mm. In in what's the as you as you broke it, open up yourself to be loved. So mm-hmm. I think the opening of the discussion is really the the core beginning here to understand. And I I don't know that we're going to jump tomorrow and start. We will we will discuss what <laughs> mean uh, to each other to call each other beloved. Uh, but I really appreciate you bringing that up because that is that is. Uh, an incredible, profound stage that any couple can take to reevaluate and reassess where they are in that stage of life. And, yeah. I, and I do want to bring up, because if anyone sees our other episodes on our podcast, we are not promoting one way of love that is only monogamy right. or, poly, or we are actually polyamorous. We respect and love this admiration of your monogamy and not and everyone of opening can accept without judgment one another in the world. Yes. 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 It's the highest form of love. So therefore it's formless. It's whatever resonates is the point. Formless. Formless. And and, and let me walk you through something that I experienced. So, you know, I've, I've asked my various um, uh, kind of close friends, uh, what's the main driving question that they try to answer subconsciously in their head. And for the first 40 years of my life, it was, am I worthy? I was constantly trying to prove my worth. And after I had to be 40 to, I don't know, maybe 50, 55, I guess, it became, um, am I lovable? Not am I loved, because I know my kids love me, and I know that you know I have people who love me, but am, and it's, that's another form of worth worthiness. Am I worth loving? And then the word beloved dropped into my lap, and it changed, it answered the question. 
oh, yeah, I'm lovable because she loves me. I'm her mm-hmm. beloved. And it changed the tenor of my question. Wow. I'm uh, I'm speechless at this stage, Stephen. Uh, <laughs> you 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 really had a chord here with us, and I'm sure for uh, many of our audience, many of well, our audience. It's been a pleasure, you two. Uh, thank you for all the good work you guys are doing in the world as well. We listen. We are just having fun sharing, and you know, again, it's we are. Maybe it's another form of transcendence for us mm-hmm. to be able to bring these ideas, this lifestyle, this uh, ability to open to others. Uh, this transcendence that you are on yeah, the path we, We're yeah. not doing this for profit. I mean, we're not looking for sponsorship. We're not looking for people to fund us or whatever that is. We're doing it because we're passionate about sharing uh, the concept of being open and being open to whatever it is that you want it to be at that stage of so life. And that's where the openness just can be. To your to your self actualization and transcendence, exactly. being open mm-hmm. to that. So, are there any events or things coming up that you'd like to note right now that you that we want to promote for spring at ME at MEA? I'll be there teaching um, April 9th to sixteenth, and Ju- uh, you'll be there teaching uh, June through the seventeenth, eleven to seventeenth. Yeah. So okay. you can go to modern website and you'll see the courses and stuff. Perfect. Fantastic. And Carrie does all of the digital courses for them. So if you want to take a course with Carrie, she's got transitions and what else? Yeah, we have a navigating midlife transitions course starting May 26, which is a great online six week course. Uh, really fun. Let the people Love know it. about the open nesters. We will. Absolutely. Uh, they may find some nuggets out there that uh, may be uh, of value. Yeah, great, great work, you fantastic. Guys. Thank you, Carrie, so Stephen. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for everything uh, and for your wisdom and sharing it with us today. So we much, appreciate it. so much. Great. Thank you, guys. Our, our pleasure. Well, Bye-bye. take care. So, Carrie and Steve's book, "Becoming Beloved," is really interesting. If you'd like to purchase it, they don't have a website yet. You can do purchase at becomingbeloveds.com. And what I want to say about the word beloved is interesting because it comes from the Song of Solomons and we use it in Jewish wedding vows. I am for my beloved and my beloved is for me. So the original is in Hebrew. It's actually from the Songs of Songs uh, in the Bible, of course. Yes, and they mention that. And the idea that this beloved dodi and we do that as wedding vows because I am my beloved, my beloved is for me, is is very is, is filled with understanding and forgiveness and reciprocity. I mean, when I looked up the deeper meaning of it, and so that's what a lot of transcendence is in a relationship, and that's why I think the concept of beloved is so special, and we've been using it this week. Yeah, we, we, we've been trying <laughs> to use it. It's kind of elevate the word love, love of my life, uh, how are you doing love? And when you say beloved, it's all of a sudden get an addition holiness to it, right. to, to speak. Absolutely. And something other than the beloved that strikes me in this particular interview is the word transcendence. I always thought that the Maslow hierarchy is always the top of the pyramid is self-actualization. But now they came up with this word transcendence. The transcendence stage. And, you know, they have so many sweet, playful moments that I loved about this because they've both been in other marriages and they were saying how they, you know, maybe they carry judgment. And many of us do walk around with judgment within our marriage as well. It's the hardest thing for us to lift away from and transcend. And exactly. And then they, they got silly about it by calling themselves Eeyore and Tigger. And I love the fact that, you know, it's not about that, that, sh- that Eeyore doesn't want to have adventure. They just didn't like getting in the water. They don't like the beginning. That's, that's and, right. and so, and so a it's such a don't. sweet way to say, how do we get ourselves out of that state of mind? Because we don't want to have a relationship that is so adverse and, and, and taking sides, angry or pissed off. We want to enjoy our lives with our partner. But on the other hand, they have chosen early in the game that even though they came from various marriages, that they're still going to be together and monogamous. And that is a great, uh, feature to see 
we don't really promote a specific lifestyle here on the Open Nesters. I know we enjoy different lifestyles than monogamy. However, they are certainly chose that, and they are making the best out of it. And it's uh, just great to see how they found opening in that open nesting stage of their life. And I love the two expressions that were discussed here. So chasing the sublime is this idea of of looking for the tiny delights in the everyday moments. And, and so even this kind of casting a spell, like when we do find delight. So when you and I do that on a regular basis and a couple enjoys the tiniest delights of relationship and really and really takes that to heart in a I way know. that they are extreme I, I, gratitude. I like to talk about. Yes, extreme gratitude is really what come across. And, you know, listen, they got it together. They found a way in the chapter three, in the open nesting stage, they found themselves, they found their destination. They're both involved in, you know, in, in, in I guess, uh, uh, pursuing their passions. I, it's true. And then they are also transcending. And so back to that is that this becoming beloved book, I'm sure we'll discuss that alchemy, which is this transitional state that he talks about in many of his tech things and bringing that into relationships of how we transform ourselves by taking our gifts and knowing that when we bring them into relationship, it's not just for the two of us. It's actually for the larger whole. And it's such, such a profound discussion. It does. I mean, for me, transcendence means that it is beyond self-actualization. It is the ability to give everything away which you have, and that is that is that is the, the highest form of generosity in a way. It is, and and actually, as parents as well. So I don't want to neglect that we discussed that with them at the beginning. And Steve talked about this two-year-old about sovereignty. It's almost like if you actually start young and as and give space to each other to find your own sovereignty of autonomy, then that love coming back, like we talk about in the open nesters, is like the, our figure eight, that you go out and you bring it back to the exactly. center. You bring it back into each other. So all of these concepts were just so profound, and we loved this interview, as you can hear. And there are many, many more interviews just like that on the Open Nesters podcast. You can go to our website, theopennesters.com, double N in the middle, S at the end. Visit us. Check out the vast library of podcasts that we have on so many categories. And also, drop us a note. Tell us what you think. Let us know who you think may be a very good, suitable uh, couple to interview on this podcast. Yeah, we, it's, easy, it's sometimes easy to find evolved people as individuals. It is a little harder to find partnerships. So if you know people that are partnering in any capacity, we're really interested in that stage of life, that they've raised kids, how they deal with that, how they Because we've been able to grow you have been listening to be a relevant to the podcast, podcast about a relationships at this stage of life because media. of you. So thank you Executive for producer, being listeners, loyal listeners. Yeah, by the way, when by you Yoni, do subscribe Avi or just listen, audio hey, listen engineering by Lucid Sound. I mean, you know that is Web what design we and really blogs. get to PJ be rated by, and that's what we'd like this to know more about. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about this episode and guests, please visit us at theopennesters.com to merge into that so we're, we're, we're giving it a, we're giving podcast, it a tech try email test but with that with all that we're out there and we're, we're inviting you in to your best stage of life and your best selves as we all enter this open nester stage till next time this is amir and this is tessa and we will see you on the next episode ciao